about to be a completely unreliable asshole. <laughs> Hello, Tim. Hi, Ryan. <laughs> hello, Michael. Hello. And hello. <laughs> hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 32. Yep. 32 Woo. of Dismembering Horror, the podcast shoe where we discuss what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything we found interesting or noteworthy about a horror film that Tim and I want to watch or that ideally you suggested to us. We dismember horror. <laughs> and today... Do we ever. <laughs> today, you may have heard, it wasn't just Tim I said hello to. We have a very special guest. Our first guest. I'm the first? You're the mm, first guest. I'm honored. You are hearing the voice of, well, he is, he is a filmmaker. He is a friend of mine from film school days, and we have worked on many, many a project together <laughs> since then, and you currently may know him from the YouTube channel, which just hit one m -m 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 million <laughs> subscribers, <laughs> lessons from the screenplay. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Michael Tucker. Hello. Pikes <laughs> <laughs> really freaked me out. It's like, where, where is that coming from? <laughs> Thanks for being here, Michael. Yeah, that's going to now pleasure. from now on. That's going to follow you around. Just disembodied <laughs> like applause. Oh, was now I'm in a horror movie. I was finding. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I decide most this morning whether I was going to go with it or not. I wanted to find applause sounds. I go to it, and it's like I wanted one that uh, I was looking at the wave bars that started right at the beginning when I press play. And the only one I found that did that started with that scream. That yeah. screaming. <laughs> Perfect. So, right. Appropriate, I thought. Yeah, it's fitting. But thank you, Michael. Um, yeah. I just wanted to ask you anything to add or context for you being here. But I, the only thing I can think of is what is your relationship to horror films? Interesting question. I feel like I'm, so I'm not a big horror fan, generally speaking. Uh, but there are certain films that I've loved that are sort of, you know, I feel like Alien is the first one I go to is like, this is one of the best movies ever made. It's one of my favorites. It was also the movie that scared me the most as a child. And when watching it, I concluded that if I were ever alone on a spaceship being chased by an alien, I would just kill myself because I couldn't deal <laughs> wow. with the stress of being hunted uh, and almost certain doom. So... Yeah, I like certain horror films, but in general, I'm not a huge horror buff. Okay, why do you think that is? I don't know. I think I'm, I, as I've gotten older, I'm uh, less, I don't have as much fun being scared. Like, mm -hmm. I think I understand the mortality of life. The world more. is scary enough. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm just, I'm very, like, picky and choosy about those kinds of movies and well, which ones I see. I did know you'd be excited. I mean, the reason I asked you for this show is I thought, well, okay, well, what's a horror film that Michael, I think, will actually go see? Right. And <laughs> I thought, Us, because you liked Get Out. Yes, so So why Us? Out. Yeah, I feel like it's Us because Jordan Peele, basically because I loved Get Out so much and I liked his take on some of the philosophy that he talked about when making it. And so it was just a very refreshing kind of take on a horror film. And so I was like... Yeah, okay. Curious to see what he does next. Maybe for the modern age too, you're into that. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I think it definitely felt like a movie that could only have 
come out the year that it did and was speaking right. about things that were happening. That's, so. I mean, something that we have fun talking about on this show is horror, the way it's prescient to the times, mm. no matter <laughs> when it was filmed. So uh, that's why, yeah, these are special episodes, actually, where we go to see a new film mm. and talk about it. So... Yeah, we haven't been to one in a while. I know. Yeah, we've been excited for this one. There's Pet Cemetery, but you were right. The trailer kind of showed the whole thing. <laughs> Dude, what is up with that? Um, I mean, and I had just watched the original. Yeah. Because um, it was on something streaming, I think Amazon. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll revisit this before I go to the new one. And the the trailer in front of us for Pet Cemetery <laughs> shows every pivotal moment of the original movie, which I assume, because I never read the book, that it's just every pivotal moment <laughs> right. of the story. <laughs> and I'm just like, what are we doing? What the fuck are we doing yeah. with trailers at a point where it's like, somebody hasn't seen the original, right? Yeah. Like, that's why you're remaking it. And your trailer is just... The, I wonder, the movie. Uh, do you think we're reaching that tipping point where I feel like I'm talking to more and more people who may have used to scoff at like closing your eyes or, you know, mm -hmm. giving trailers a bad time? Like, I feel like more and more people are just like, yep, ruins it. I don't watch them. Yeah. Have you noticed yeah. that? Is that shifting finally? Are we going to get a re I don't know. I can't tell because the people that I hang out with are the people who, right. are, you know, who don't want to see the trailer. Yeah. So every, there's got to be other people who do. Theoretically. I wonder if it's like an age thing also. Oh, I think when be. I was like a kid and I just ate up trailers and it didn't yeah. matter if it like gave mm -hmm. away the whole thing. So I wonder if it's also just as you get older, you understand story more. So even a little bit spoils a lot more. Well, and also just in the general like um, evolution of trailers, I think there was a moment it, for me at least where like trailers used to be real shit i mean like really bad and i've been going through the letterbox thing and when i'd like come across a movie that i that i'm like shit did i see that i'll i'll watch the trailer and you see like there's a stark difference between like a trailer from pre 2000 yeah and and post is is wildly different i just like, miss style like, and, like another trailer i know you like my or movie horror film i know you like the shining that's just my mm -hmm. favorite teaser trailer because it's a the trailer but it's a teaser trailer it's just, just that one the, shot right the blood coming out of the elevator with a scrawl that's it but that's yeah, good that's, that's enough that's what it should be yeah but so no i, I there think, was there was a moment yeah. in it was what whatever year the um phantom menace came out 99 99 and that's probably the trailer i've seen the most so <laughs> that trailer spoils darth maul like the double lightsaber right and I remember just thinking, fuck, dude, like, <laughs> I don't ever want to see that stuff before I go into a movie. It was the first time where I was like, oh, wait, I yeah. just I just had something very critical. You're right, because that maybe that makes me think it yeah. is an age thing, Michael, because I just ate that up, that trailer, watched it over and over. <laughs> I did, too. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it is weird. And it's interesting how trailers like evolve and you can kind of see like kind of like you were saying, like a trailer comes out and then it shifts the kind of trailers people make. Yeah. Like after the Inception trailer, I feel like it's the obvious one. We're like, now every trailer needs a yeah. at the end <laughs> and it's like, it just copycats that stuff. Or the trailer for 
uh, the Suicide Squad where like Ugh, they intercut yeah. the like the guns timed with oh, the music yeah. and now every trailer has to have like the fighting happens to the rhythm of the and music. And then the trailers is better than the movie. Right. <laughs> um, which let's that use that. Uh, this, is, this is a squad. tangent. Uh, yeah, sorry. But let's use that as a transition <laughs> to the trailer to the film we are speaking about today. Mr. Jordan Peele's 2019's Us. I got five on it, mean. It's about drugs. It's not about drugs. It's a dope song. Don't do drugs. Get in rhythm. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Can't believe how big Dave got. Do you hear Gabe got a boat? He's kidding, right? He's not kidding. Hey, I think it's vodka clock. Oh, yeah. Where's Jason? Jason? Jason! Where were you? I didn't know if you were lost. Stick with me and I'll keep you safe. There's a family in our driveway. It's probably the neighbors. Should I scare a family? Hi, can I help you? Zora, put your shoes on. If you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. Speaking of trailers that show the whole movie. I know. Thank fucking God I didn't watch that. Yeah. But good, too. Because, like, (laughs) using that music track that they use so effectively in the movie, like... Oh, my God. Just got me just so pumped for it again like <laughs> I mean, tickets available God. now it ended with that i don't think i'd ever seen that before either hmm. anyway, what were you gonna say Sam? i Sorry. just I, like i don't think that we could really even cover the depth of this movie in a podcast nope <laughs> you know what i mean it's like i i really do even just like i watched it two nights ago i think yeah two nights ago and you know i left having lots of thoughts and being like, oh, that was cool. And I really enjoyed it. But now after a couple of days watching that trailer, realizing like I'll watch this movie probably 10 or 15 times in my life easily. Yeah. Like the, like, I don't know, the shining or alien or, you know, jaws. It's so (laughs) I'm like, I'm kind of blown away. Although I don't think I should be after seeing get out. It's like, I'm not surprised (laughs) that that it's as, layered as it is yeah but holy shit i know it's a lot (laughs) to unpack here (laughs) which like it's funny you know looking at the other horror podcasts everyone has the us episode has the us episode has the us episode so maybe probably listen to every single one of them and still (laughs) not get to everything there is in this movie right but we hope to cover some sort of fertile (laughs) ground here that others don't i think we will um but we start here our discussion with a summary of the film. This is coming from us. We aren't reading off IMDb or anything. This is to help plug into our brains because this is, and I'll set this up for you too, Michael, as a a guest on our show, how we like to uh, angle things here. Because we talk about, you know, what, how we rated it, what worked, what didn't work. We really like to think of that as we take it from the subjective standpoint. It's what worked for us, what didn't work 
for us, 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 meaning. Uh, we, you know, I mean, you know, we get talking and we get excited, but we don't think by any means we're any authority on this, but we hope by our own, you know, passionate discussion, we can, uh, um, inspire, not inspire, you know, get others to just sort of start thinking about what they thought of these things that either yeah. worked or didn't work for us or their own things. So to help sort of plug into our brains, we start with our own summary. So, uh, saying that, how would you summarize the film, Michael? To, to totally put you on the spot. Yeah, okay. So, uh, Us is about a... Well, okay. <laughs> it's hard to not just like go into like a play-by-play. Yeah. Uh, Don't worry. This is what we do every week. Okay. Go, uh, 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 shit. Um, okay. But yeah, so I, I, it's generally about a family uh, and the mom in the family has a, a, a traumatic event that happened to her in her past, uh, but she's seemingly conquered it and how now has a, you know, She's married with two kids and the family's on vacation and lovely Santa Cruz. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Santa Cruz is the place where this traumatic, spooky event happened. And so now that she's back there and they go to the same beach and all this stuff, suddenly there are signs uh, that are making her remember this terrible thing that happened and she's getting uncomfortable and there are all these weird coincidences. And finally, it sort of takes off when... They, yeah, <laughs> so weird. Uh, a mirror family of them shows up dressed in red and yeah. they explain that they are the underground tethered mirrors of the people and everything that happened to the girl in the real world happened in a traumatic, terrible way to her mirror clone in the underworld. And now they're coming to get revenge and, and break out and so and then just insanity yep. kind of goes from there as they try to escape the family and murders happen and there's lots of stabbing and they all have <laughs> scissors and eat rabbits yes that's right yes that was good that covered it <laughs> yeah. okay cool. anything to add no yeah that was great that, yeah okay. that's it I just it's added, home invasion yeah right like at its core like a really it is home invasion interesting home invasion but yeah yeah well like we'll get to what worked what worked for me was that it also was not one it, sub, it expanded and subverted on right, it. right yeah. right yeah um all right well how we rated it and this section so our oh yeah so our rating system too michael mm-hmm it's not suggesting to the world at large. If you could tell yourself who hasn't seen this movie to either avoid it, stream it, rent it, or buy it, what would it be? Oh. Tim, how about you? Sound like you you're Dude, I mean, I'll buy this in a heartbeat. Yeah. I just don't know what version I'll get in terms of like, will I want a hard copy of it or a digital copy? I'll probably, I mean, probably a hard copy. Got to hear that commentary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a hundred percent a buy on this. Oh God. I which is only maybe the third buy I think I've ever had. Yeah. We had Onibaba was one. Yeah. I forget the others, but anyways, I can't, God damn. Do you know, Michael, I can't decide for quite yet. I might just go with you guys, but I think I would tell myself to rent it. Mm-hmm. I think that's where I'm at with it. Yeah. I'm, I'd love to soak in those special features and everything, but I think the like the kind of horror movie it ended up being in the end for me. It's like as much as I like love it, it's one that I'm more like an excited popcorn rent. But like I don't know how often I'll need to like refer back to it, I guess. 
but I mean, I'd be happy to have it on my shelf, <laughs> but you guys are blowing my mind. <laughs> like you think you're not going to want to watch this multiple more times. No, I do. But like, I, I don't know. I watch. Having said that, I don't own Jaws and I've watched it like 30 times. There you go. So, I don't know. I think <laughs> all the yeah. Blu-rays I own also, I never actually watch again. <laughs> it's also a weird factor in this to me. It's right. Yeah. It's also, I mean, what I've said before, like I think half the movies I've given or not half, but a lot of the movies I've given a rent or no, sorry, a lot of the movies that I would buy, I I wouldn't know it when I first saw them like good yeah, yeah, films yeah. for me. I get that. That's how I am. But like, maybe it's cause I just saw it and I'm still mm-hmm. digesting it. It's currently a rent for me. Okay. Rent, rent by. Great. All right. Well then let's move on to what worked. It worked like a charm. Smith. <laughs> what worked? The movie, as a movie, for me, works. Wholly, entirely. Right? I agree. It's a movie from start to finish. It's it's sewed up from start to finish. There's no, to me, there's no holes. There's no sort of like, I don't know. There's no moment in that movie where I was like, yeah. Yeah. At all. So like, just... (laughs) That and and like to be perfectly honest for me, like to be able to say that is like a like probably a, the the highest sort of um what are what do you call that praise? Yeah, I mean i I gotta jump into because that was essentially my take. But then like what sort of what uh, cemented loving it for me so much was it had the ending that Get Out didn't have. Like it had the horror movie ending mm. that just. The, the twist i was just so like shook and got those those the best kind of horror movie chills from it you know which like as much as i loved get out and i think get out was more kind of consistently like eerie or whatever this uh this won me over with its horror movie ending, do you think so. that if get out had had the original ending or i guess one of the two endings i don't know which one was written first yeah of having him get shot by a cop. No, we talked about, I think you've talked about this with you, Michael, the Mm -hmm. alternate endings for Get Out or the original ending that didn't go over well. No, I think there was an in-between between the two that would have been better. I think that was too just kind of stark and whatever if he got shot or in jail, whatever. I don't know. And then I think it was just too like audience-pleasing, popcorn-friendly, just save the day at the end. That's literally it. As fun as it is, like watching it in a theater with that. Yeah. That's, you know what, that's the distinction between like a horror movie ending and not. So with us, like he nailed it. And oh my God, it was so good. <laughs> For me, it was like the, the first, I think 30 minutes of the movie were, I think my favorite. Like I, I felt like he just, he did such a good job setting up the family and their dynamics. And I cared about them and they were like familiar, but like kind of fresh, like a family you don't see on screen very often. And like the chemistry between all of them. It was fun to see like Lupita and Winston Duke mm-hmm. is his yeah. name, right? Like as a Black Panther fan, I was like, oh, hey, it's them again. <laughs> yeah. uh, Adelaide and Gabe. We'll try to right. get these names. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like the opening sequence with the girl wandering off, like that was like creepy and tense and just the way it was shot was like, just felt like just masterful control happening. So yeah, I feel like the whole like build up, uh, kind of like climaxing with the family 
like appearing and like sitting down by the fire. Like that whole section yeah. was just like a hundred percent for me. Like, that I think was that was my favorite chunk mm-hmm. as well too. Like, yeah, you're no, yeah. I mean, the performances we kind of you know get the big ones out of the way first. Like, yeah, so likable. Like, I bought them immediately. Super likable. I mean, and then when it gets into the uh, even the the friends Elizabeth Moss and Tim Heidecker, <laughs> so like, great. God, I love Elizabeth Moss. She's so good. Yeah, seeing her in this role. But um, I don't know. I want to talk about the beginning or their performances overall, because like. <laughs> Man, <laughs> so much. Well, I'll say it just, I guess we were on the, well, that's why I asked. We were on works. both. Mm-hmm. The performances, though, I'll just go with that. Very, the the performances as the, the evil doubles, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. The doubles, the mere people, you said, Michael. Mm-hmm. The, tethered, the tethered, as the film right. says. Like, especially i mean the the guy like the the husband was fun as like the big brooding hulk Mm -hmm. the son was fun as just the opposite the crazed monkey unpredictable thing but the the two women the mom and the daughter like just their performances that again just shook me like even because walking by one of the posters yesterday and just their eyes both the mom and the daughter just Mm -hmm. like Ugh, they 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 stab into you in the best of way horror movie ways. So I feel like the daughter doesn't even like say anything, like the mirror daughter, but she's still just so like creepy and it's that grin, know, right? It's a very disturbing grin. Her Terminator fun. run, her T one thousand approach. Yeah. What else you guys got? I don't know. I so I guess tailing off of of that first thirty or forty minutes or whatever it ends up being. I think part of what works so well within that is is specifically the pacing of it. Uh, that opening sequence is quite drawn out. Like you mm-hmm. you walk with that girl for a long time. I, I don't even. I mean, it'd be interesting to sort of time it out. Right. And like you really have to get on board with feel like knowing that you're in good hands with that type of thing. And it goes to show like. Jordan Peele is, is saying like, I don't really care if, if you think this is slow right now, cause <laughs> it, it, it'll pay off. Yeah. It's sort of like, he's reassuring mm-hmm. you. Don't worry. Like there's a reason for this. And like that, you know, you don't see a lot. I think maybe now we're making another sort of turn in film that will sort of be okay with different pacing, but we've, we've kind of just finally left the era of like smash cutting and like, mm-hmm, you know, fire. everything has to be super fast in your face. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was quite pleased to be like, Oh man, we gotta go yeah. sit. We're going to go sit in this for a, a while. Well, yeah. they were, they were fewer and far between for me. The, the sort of, uh, the faster pace moments that were in, um, in get out. Cause that's going to be our easy, Sorry, peek there a little bit. Uh, And Get Out, that's going to be our comparison. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like there were moments in Get Out that kind of like fell into that, the the Blumhouse model or whatever of just kind of the more, you know, faster pacing, cut, cut, cut kind of thing. So yeah, Tim, you're right. I think this one amended that for me in a way. And yeah, and that... Well, and you better do it at the in the opening scene. Right. Yeah. Right? Like, if you're going to do it and you're going to establish that, like, that's when you do it and you say, this is the movie that you're right. about to get into. So, 
don't think it's going to be something else. And that opening scene, it culminated for me in what was the one other, aside from the ending, the one other just kind of got under my nerves, chilling horror moment was just the look on the double girl. Yeah, when she turned around. <laughs> yeah. That was definitely really creepy. Yeah. 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 I think that's a really important thing that you're saying, Tim, of like using the first scene to have the audience calibrate, like this is yeah. the pace that this movie's going to like. And I think, you know, I think a lot of times when people worry that a movie's too long or they're like trying to like do that rapid fire cutting thing, it's kind of just this blanket idea of like, well, it has to like, we have to be changing constantly and that's what's going to make it feel like it's moving quickly. But I think it's actually more like you were saying, like letting signaling to the audience what they can expect yeah. and like being like along for that ride. Yeah. Well that along for the ride. I mean that for me, it's more, I look at that as like you are, you're putting yourself in the world. It is putting you in that world mm-hmm. more so. So to give you that vulnerability. Right. And I, I loved the like shot of like the mom and the dad, like when we're with the perspective of the girl walking in the boardwalk for like, for whatever, I feel like I haven't seen that shot. For some reason, just there was something about the way it was done and you never quite see the parents' faces and it creates this oh, distance. Yeah. Like, well, and part of it too yeah. is that a lot of the time, like how often are we seeing POV from a child's, you know, you know, height? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's not a super common thing, I guess. And I don't, I'm like, I don't watch a lot of kids movies. So, but even <laughs> those, right? Like the other right. people, if you have a POV shot are probably kids. So you're on the sort of eye level. Right. But having this sort of, I mean, and I wonder even if, if the camera was a bit lower than what would have been that kid's eye level mm-hmm. to just to create a little bit more. It's, it's a, like an adult. It's quite a wide lens. So you're getting a little bit of this sort of like, skew of reality Mm -hmm. um the dad is is moving in a a fairly sort of like you can't tell if he's drunk or if that's just his personality or what's going on yeah you know there's separation between the parents in that shot they're not Mm -hmm. like holding Mm -hmm. hands and close so there's a lot visually going on Mm -hmm. within that to create this eeriness you know and you're also in a environment that is kind of it's a, what's the word? It's, it's the, not the opposite, but it's, it's a differentiation between the mindset of the kid. Like if we've kind of established the kid hasn't said much, she seems to be kind of reserved and quiet and like calm. Mm -hmm. And then you have carnival happening around you. So there's this nice kind of dichotomy between those two things. And the shot is basically exploiting those two things and saying like, where are we? You just made me think yeah. that set up that, that you reminded me that she was pretty soft spoken at the beginning, which I realized was so effective for setting up the twist that like we mm-hmm. didn't observe much of a change. But and, the mother and did. yeah, to that point, she does a really well, the writing does a really interesting thing with that character. The one line, I think it's the only line that she has uh, gives her agency. So the mom says, come to the bathroom with me. And, she, and the girl says, I don't have to go to the bathroom. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So she's sort of saying like we Mm. within one, I think that to me, this is another thing that amazes me about how good a writer Jordan Peele is. Cause I, I remember the second time I watched get out, I was like, this is a perfect script. Like (laughs) it is perfect. There's not, there's not a wasted line or moment at any point. And every line speaks to a larger sort of idea or, or theme of the movie. So he clearly knows how to refine his scripts down to like its most sort of like perfect elements in my, you know, for me. 
to have that moment giving that girl agency and like establishing that she has a mind of her own in 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 one line i mean Mm -hmm. it's the simplest of things which i guess comes back like later in the movie when she's like i'm the one who's in charge now (laughs) to the to the dad Mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly that uh i just want to say one more thing about the beginning what that girth did for me too it like yeah everything we already said but it set up it set up how uh, the 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 impact of that event in her life. Like this was mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. that happened to her. Like you know, it was a yeah. not a chapter, but a <laughs> an event. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so man, where to go? Well, I it was I saw it with uh, I saw it with our friend David Michael. Oh, nice! It was great seeing with him. And oh yeah, we should, I should mention, so Michael and I went to UC Santa Cruz, which is it was super weird seeing Santa Cruz really? yeah. in this yeah, like and they're when the family arrives there and they're like driving by the lighthouse yeah. with the beach. I was like, that's the drive I did to school every day because my like apartment was like right over there. And then the dad's going Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's no doubt about and, it. And like all the boardwalk stuff, I was like, oh, that's where I was like stuck in traffic for three hours trying to get out of the boardwalk on a crazy carnival night. Yeah, like, yeah, but it was great when we seeing with David. You know, you know his distinct laugh too. It's great. <laughs> Uh-huh. But we, um, we, uh, when it got to the, the Tim Heidecker, um, Elizabeth Moss, the, the Tylers, the Tyler family, okay. and they turned evil and it was like, um, I mean, it, it was, it was great. Like Tim Heidecker reaching his hand down and then like, instead of helping her up, fixing his hair, <laughs> Elizabeth Moss doing like her weird stuff. But he was like cracking up, but not wanting to be loud about it kind of thing. <laughs> And um, it just made me think, like, I'm like, yeah, this is funny. It just put me in a really interesting, like, it's funny, but I'm. it's also actually terrifying, too. And it was just the line that this road of, like, the, the horror funny or scary funny, horror comedy. Like, it's not, I wouldn't call it at all horror comedy, you know. But you could at the same right. time. Just anyway, as far as whatever that line is, that's always like in watching horror movies, something interesting to see where it falls on that line. This was like, I don't know, really smart and effective at, at sort of maybe being right in the towing it. I don't know. Well, it's like, <laughs> you know, p- these people are actual people and people are actually have humor in their lives. Yeah. You know, so like, I don't think... You're not necessarily writing for humor, but you are writing for humans Mm -hmm. and giving them personalities and allowing the actors to bring something to that. So, you know, humor definitely is a part of it, but I don't think it's not like he's writing jokes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like so if I can tiptoe into things that didn't work for me. No, sorry. That's actually (laughs) a different section. But you can maybe allude or reference. Okay. When we get there, I feel like the, the the relationship between comedy and horror was one of the things that like I had struggled with. Got it. Yeah. But so I, talk, talk I actually, I mean, what you were saying, Tim, though, got me thinking, I think like you're right. It's almost maybe less of a sort of controlled concern over the tone of comedy versus horror. If you're just striving for making the characters feel like accurate to the moment, to like mm-hmm. the movie, you know, like what is what feels right for the film, what feels right for the character versus like, do I want the audience to laugh here or not? No, it's like, give up controlling that. It's just, they're going to laugh or be scared, you know, depending on them. Or, um, or, or something that I, you know, in other movies, a lot of time frustrates me is when a character is in a situation, you know, and doesn't go, 
are you guys seeing how fucked up this is right now? <laughs> like when you take that sort of, you know, normal human natural reaction away, you lose, you know, character. And I think they're doing a good job of, of being like, yeah, like you can be that, like do that, like have a reaction. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm sure it's calculated, mm. but I feel like that, that's one of, that's what something I like in movies also. So when it's like the people in the movie have seen movies before. <laughs> right. So it's like they are reacting not as if they're this like in this weird world where they've never seen a horror movie before or something. But they're uh, like, no, this is like this is insane. What's happening? Yeah. yeah. I love I mean, I think that the, that particular trope character, that character who is sort of hanging a lantern on everything being like, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that's not a zombie because a zombie technically is this. You know what I mean? Like that, I right. like having that voice in in movies and in horror films in particular. Yeah, the the filmmaker's presence almost. You <laughs> yeah. know, yeah, the one saying it. Well, talking about the um the Tylers, uh, and just you know even from the beginning that setup with them like on the beach going to meet their friends and you know their rapport and their drinking and all that. I thought that was like. You see this a lot in modern horror films. Like here, it's used satirical, which is great, but like hereditary. You didn't end up seeing that, Michael. No, of course not. No, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry. But feel I free to sorry, talk about I didn't it. mean, of course. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, I know you. Yeah. I know you know, I know you. <laughs> um, but like how that's used, you know, you know, like sort of the, um, the these modern vices, you know, on the kind of full, unabashed display of the characters where like hereditary can be used to like really okay. You know, it's used in a more not biting sense, but realistic, not being shy about it sense to put you in there. But here it was just so biting that couple and the way they're they're portrayed mm-hmm. and like the the spoiled uh, teenage girl twins like, I don't know, it was, it was fun to see him sort of, I don't know, maybe have some catharsis in that. <laughs> yeah. But like at the same time, like I'm sure most people watching it, you know, could relate to it. That's the, that's what makes it horror. Yeah. yeah that it's real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I know that family. Yeah. Right. Or I am that family. Right. <laughs> like that, what is the line that they said about them? Oh, you know, giving my wife her medicine or something like that. Yeah. Or yeah. vodka clock and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just like I don't know, all too, all too relatable for, for just days, days, days and age. Yeah, we're the victims too. Blah, blah. <laughs> so, I feel like it's a slippery slope to start talking about thematic things because <laughs> yeah. there's many of them, um, and I like almost don't know where to start. Well, I can get more some moments or things out of the way. Yeah, you do that. Um, when the doubles like first showed up, I mean, their, their appearance was great, but it was that I liked the touch of when they didn't move or attack until the father made some sort of like attack Mm -hmm. to like motioning towards them, Mm -hmm. which I mean, I mean, it didn't make any sense once, you know, the story afterwards, (laughs) like if they're there to get revenge or whatever, but just as a moment, I really like that as like the kind of evil that like you know, will wait for you to make the first evil, you know, or. Well, and I think that there's, there's potentially you could pick apart a, a, a deeper, you know, rule. Yeah. Like within this construct of, of the movie that they wouldn't have attacked mm-hmm. until their, their mirror sort of instigates it. That's what I mean. That was liking thing. You, know, but you like, think even knowing I, everything I'm, you know about I'm it. I'm saying, yeah, well, I'm saying that there are sort of, there are some vague rules within this movie that you can kind of 
it's up for you to kind of decide if you want to define them that way. For example, what I think could back this up is when Jason backs away from the um, his his double, he knows that that double is mirroring him. And yeah. he uses that to get that double to to back into the fire. Mm-hmm. Right. So so he did. He used that rule. I mean, maybe he came up with that rule. I mean, they they have an interaction in the closet where that, they are yeah. marrying each other. I saw so that. Now it's, it's isolated to just that. That's where there's something mm-hmm. unique to him and Jason. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you can mm-hmm. kind of there's sort of a, a tone of maybes mm-hmm. within the, this world that it, nothing is is terribly like it's this it's just there are these sort of ideas floating around you're right tim knowing that it's actually the original lupita the twist maybe there was a part of her that was like i'm leading the revolution of the doubles yet because i have still have a part of me that's the original i don't want to necessarily kill them yeah I don't know. Maybe that's a, that's a lot of connections drawn, but I just. I mean, I think it. it's pretty clear that she feels bad about killing them. Yeah, like throughout, and like she she does it, but like I feel like there are moments where it's like, why is before you know what the twist is, it's like she's making weird sounds, and like why is this like she's clearly like having an emotional experience beyond just self defense killing right now. Right. Um, I don't I think want to kill you. <laughs> there's a couple really cool. I think. Um, key ins to that early earlier on um, one being the the moment where she go where the the um, the mirror daughter has been hit by the car flung off the car and and lands in the tree and um, what's her name Adelaide yes okay she she goes by herself into the woods and she has this very odd interaction with her is a bit of a, a you know it's a signal right like we're going mm-hmm. uh, something's up but by the end of that entire sequence, her white clothing has been stained largely red, mm-hmm. which I think is another signal that the, initially I just thought it's sort of a metaphor saying, oh, she's, you know, she's becoming like them. She's so in, in actuality, I think it was more of a signal that she is it's, them. Yeah. Like she is the one from the other side, mm-hmm. which mm. I think is, you know, little thi- that's a, these little things like there's no I think there's no stone not what's the phrase there's no Un- sto- unturned yeah. like, that. like it is it is amazing to me how specific every little thing in this movie is like that when that's happening it it fucking blows my mind mm-hmm and I mean, it should happen. <laughs> Actually, it should happen all the right. time, right? And yeah. Like if you're a good director, especially if you wrote it, you would think that you've you've kind of dotted all your I's and crossed all your T's. Right. Mm-hmm. And by, by the nature of doing that, you do reward multiple viewings. Yeah. I suppose, yes. But holy shit. Well, and that's the thing. You keep seeing, like I've been, read a couple reviews and whatever, and they're like, everybody's, you know, you kind of have to see this movie multiple times to even scratch the surface of all of the little things that are going on. Yeah. So like no frame is, is, is wasted, mm-hmm. it seems. And I, I mean, mm-hmm. I only saw it once, so it's like, <laughs> I, how many frames did I actually see? The, um... The home invasion, I guess, segment. That's kind of the middle chunk mm-hmm. of the film, I guess. That was that was great and fun. But I got to say, like, I 
if the, the, the first, if the first chunk I really loved, like you did, Michael, I like, I've loved that too. It was the home invasion was kind of like, okay, great. This is, this is fun. It's like fun being like watching the characters move. Awesome. The daughter is running away. They're going to escape. It's just, it was just perfectly long enough to like keep me enthralled that then as soon as we changed locations, it just got me like so much more on board. I felt that was like the sort of modern twist needed to put on the home invasion uh, uh story yeah yeah i mean there's definitely a trap in home invasion yeah. right mm-hmm. like the, right i don't mean literally <laughs> um, but but sometimes there is um but that you you know it is that one location sort of you just get caught in this thing and it's like how how much can variety can you have in the one location yeah. so getting mm-hmm. out of there is really important um, and doing it in a way that makes sense <laughs> and like pushes the movie further along and not just sort of being like, oh, we got to change locations. Right. Um, just one thing that, uh, about that section that I really liked is, is a lot of time you have a callback that is the solve of the movie. Um, and in this, they're doing a thing where they're, the, the callbacks all kind of happen in that chunk. Mm. Um, so like, for example, the boat, the boat motor, Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. like that, that's a solve, but it's only a solve in this middle of the movie thing. It's not like solving their, all of their problems, right? Same with the, um, the closet that locks that, uh, Jason locks himself mm-hmm. into with the little mm-hmm. car, right? The second we see him and the kid go in the, his double go into that, we know he knows that he's going to use that to help himself, mm-hmm. but it's in a section of the movie that, you know, is appropriate. Right. I, I think it's a it's a trap to try and set callbacks up to help you in your third act. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. maybe there are broad ones that you can do that with sometimes in some movies that helps. But I think when you do it for the third act and it's a third act solve, it's telegraphing too much or you've lost it, the thread completely. So when it comes back around, you're kind of like, what? Mm-hmm. That's a thing. Oh fuck yeah! I guess I kind of remember that. So in this, I think it's it's yeah. it's used appropriately, like in the right place. That is interesting. That is one of the cool things about it. Sort of yeah, switching modes and switching which homes are being invaded, and like the progression of it is that yeah, like I hadn't thought about that. That you get that payoff more immediately, and it, and I actually didn't even like think about the the car thing when he went into the closet. I think because maybe I am programmed more to be like things that are set up are going to pay off later at the end. So it was like refreshing to see it pay off so quickly. And like the boat that always hangs left and like turns around. I also loved that, like, you know, the motor starting and stopping, like both like solved his problem for him, but then also like <laughs> threw him into the water afterwards. Right, right. Like that was yeah. a fun, like extra twist on top of double that. payoff. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think you're right. I, I think this is why I'm saying it, it or why it, it sticks out to me as, be, as, as a thing that's working is that we are programmed for those things to come around later mm-hmm. and you see it when it's done like this. And to me, it's just much more satisfying. Yeah, Cause it, just it feels also, better. it doesn't give you even just that it's more than just that immediate satisfaction, but it also gives you that sense of, I don't, there's less things that I am aware of that are going to be happening. Like, what is the rest of the movie going to be yeah. kind of mm-hmm. feeling, you know, on a feel level, that's just everything to me. Well, that, that sort of, you know, how this movie progresses is another big point that I, you know, initially, what, what kind of amazes me is there's, it seems like, oh man, I just punched the mic. <laughs> it seems like the, there's a, 
And this, let's see if I can explain this. He's gesticulating, this, that's this why. Hap- yeah. This happens on a few different levels. On a character level, you start singular. You start with the little girl in the past. Um, and then you see that character thread um, progress and, and build upon itself. So first it's a char- it's a single kid character. Then it's a single family. Then it, that, that uh, then it's the single families uh, doppelgangers are are sort of the next tier right. of that, and they they're insular. They're living in their world. So f- I guess that's maybe and a better way. And then they're friends, and then the whole that's exactly world. right. <laughs> so so we expand through this sort of progression as the movie goes along, where it's like it's not just this little girl story, it's not just this mom's story, it's not just this family story, it's not just this family and their friends stories, it's not just the family yeah. and their friends story. It's the entire town. Well, oh shit! It's the entire country that's actually a great way to because like movies with this kind of you know there's uh can we were just talking about or yeah we don't talk about that anyway the kind of movies (laughs) where there's something that's uh at large going on or or whatever it's like how do you you either can go the angle of there's this big thing going on at large or you keep it insular and it can be hard to pull off you know that i think you bring in the police do you bring in the news do you bring Mm -hmm. in like yeah again the neighbors so you're right yeah just an approach of just make giving it that progression made it so effective and and then and then you you actually they or jordan peele or whatever you want to call it the filmmakers they 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 do that. They expand the world, but then the third act, you know, when you sort of have learned that that's all what's going on, we still get the appropriate refocus back on the root of all of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to not come back around to that when, and have it just be, oh, the world's going to shit would, I think, be very unsatisfying. Like, we need to know what the fuck's going on and where it came from. Yeah, And it's, to me, very satisfying. It's like... <laughs> weird and what the fuck but awesome yeah so it's not just kind of like in the plotting of events like that you're just saying as far as uh, how he's expanding mixing up playing on the home invasion genre that i love but like what he did i talked to you i think about this for get out michael which was he's he's combining like sub sub genres <laughs> like together you know because yeah. yeah there's the home invasion but you also have the like the like survive the apocalypse stuff, you know, in the last chunk Mm -hmm. where Santa Cruz is all torn up. But then you also have this sort of like, I mean, I guess more so in Get Out, but here, like whatever that tone of Stepford Wives is, that kind of like 70s horror with the sci-fi bent, almost like Cronenberg, Mm -hmm. kind of like um, uh, uh, evil scheme, you know, going on, uh, conspiracy going on. And then, and, and like other ones too, I think that's what just makes his new films work so wholly for me and like new horror films work is like you go beyond by combining like in really interesting ways what's come before using it all use everything in our toolkit well i think there, there's even another layer too that he's using that that i was really kind of excited about is because you know we're we're entering into by, by having jordan peele make movies that are also commentary on the world socially from, from a person of color's point of view, you, you know, there's, I think a, there's a initial trap of thinking, Oh, this is a movie about a black family. Mm -hmm. Right. And in certain ways, the first part has, you know, there's, there are things in there that have that commentary that I think stick out, right? Like 
seeing a black family on the beach at Santa Cruz where basically nobody else <laughs> there is of color. Like yeah. there mm -hmm. it is almost an entirely white beach. Um, and then you have this black family like that ha evokes a sort of, you know, a visual at, at the very least. Um, and so people, you know, I'm, I'm white. So like, I can't really know what that evokes for somebody who isn't, but I, I assume that, you know, it does something. Um, then you, but the movie itself has its own progression within that theme, right? Where it's like, you could think up until the point that they go to the, the neighbors that, what'd you call them? The Tyler's Taylor's. Yep. The Tyler's. <laughs> the Tyler's. Up until that point, you could assume that this move, that this is isolated to them and that there is a metaphor for, mm -hmm. you know, being black in America. Um, and then, and, and I think that stuff does exist. I think thematically there are things that you can pull out of that and, 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 you know, look at, but then we progress, we say it's, it's not just this, it's not a movie about a black family, right? Anymore. Or, or maybe it was for a minute, but, or maybe there's commentary on that for a minute, but then we move on and we say, no, it's actually there's a broader thing going on. Mm -hmm. This incident isn't just isolated to that. It's so not just about maybe that. Maybe more about wealth disparity in the end. Right. Like sure. I, I appreciated that that was kind of what I was taking from it is like, you know, the idea that we as Americans that live this privileged life and like, you know, even, you know, the Tylers are very privileged, obviously, but I feel like even, you know, the Lupita family, I can't remember yeah. any of the names are like clearly like middle-class, like their house, fine, right? right. They have a cool house in Santa Cruz and like he has enough money to buy a boat. Like, so I, I appreciated that it did seem more like a commentary of like, as Americans for us to enjoy our privilege at all the levels means that someone out there in the world is having to suffer and live a worse life so that we could have a better life. Right. There like must the always be a balance. <laughs> and I, I, I guess yeah, that's a, that's a better way, I guess, sort of framing what I'm trying to say is, is that that as the movie moves on, it's saying, I know you think that it may just be about this, but it's about something bigger. And actually it's about something even bigger than that too. Mm -hmm. um, not to, that doesn't diminish the, the commentary that exists at certain points. Like in other words, I thought at one point I was like, you know, cause I'm sitting there always sort of thinking like, what are they getting at? Like, what are we, what are they trying to sort of like lead us toward or get us to think about? And one of them was the, so when you have this, the shadow people, the, 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 uh, your, your shadow or your mirror image that your dark mirror image, whatever thing I thought initially, I was like, oh, this is sort of commentary on when you as a person of color ha have success and have, um, moved into a, a certain, you know, privilege level, do you feel shame over that? Or do you, you know, mm -hmm. are you reflecting on that? I thought that's where we were going to sit for most of the movie. And I think that exists for a minute, mm -hmm. but then it moves on. It says it's, it's bigger than that. We're all I, largely the movie ends up, I think saying, we're all a part of this. We all right. fucked up right. as a, as a society. Yeah. Every, nobody's safe. <laughs> right. We all, we all did this. We made a promise 
And I think the Hands Across America is 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 mm. amazing to use as this like <laughs> promise. We made a promise in 20 whatever years ago, 30 years ago. How long ago was 86? So 30, 32, 30 33 years, years ago. Sorry. I know. Unfortunately. Right. So <laughs> we as a country made this promise, quote unquote promise to help people who were uh, had it worse off than us. Yeah. And we fucking didn't keep that promise. And this is the result. And that, I mean, that to me, that <laughs> idea in its just in and of itself, like that singular idea is so fucking intense <laughs> and awesome to me <laughs> that I was like, you know, it, it even shows to me like my own kind of, uh, you know, tunnel vision of, of thought going into this. Like being like, oh, because this is a a, a, a filmmaker of color with a, a a family of color, you know, comment. It's only going to be commenting on that. Like, yeah. well, that's mm -hmm. stupid of me to have thought <laughs> that. Um, I'm not sure I thought that, you know, by itself. Well, but and like, I feel it's like there. up to this point, that has been the case because it's been the exception to the rule that that's like, right. you know. And Get Out was so that, you know. Right. That's and, right. right. Yeah. And so, so, yeah, I feel like I also appreciate that it evolved past that because i feel like it also then is helping normalize it where it's like no just just a movie where the protagonists are black but it's not about that it's about all these other things because yeah. like it's like yeah he already Americans did get out so now just yeah. you said normalize it and, more, I, and yeah. I love because i thought to myself oh wait it doesn't matter if this family's black i mean mm -hmm. um it, at all I was like, this movie works with any, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And he's literally going, I know you guys are going to go in thinking <laughs> that it matters. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. And that to me, I'm like, fuck yes, dude. Yeah. The dude is so much, <laughs> he's so far ahead of like all of us that I'm like, you're the fucker. Yes. <laughs> Tim, uh, Tim, you clearly love this film so much. <laughs> I'd love to hear more of what you loved about it, Michael, or what worked for you. I really enjoyed that they featured the song I Got Five on it. So I always enjoyed that. Oh my God, yeah. Loved, just watching the trailer, how it ended with that. Right, with it was that, like... Which is another reason I'm glad I didn't see the trailer because yeah. I would have ruined it. Because when it happened at the end and the, you know, the orchestral oh, version oh, of oh. it, right, I was oh, like, oh, oh. this is cool. Like, I have problems with other things that are happening, but I'm very much enjoying this version of the song and just like getting to watch a fight scene to this. Yeah. Like, was, <laughs> I feel like he's he's very good at like... I appreciated there were lots of moments where it's cinematically, it felt like he was very confident and in control of like, this is the experience I'm giving you right now. And like within those like beats, it was satisfying and paid off. And like, I, yeah, I, I appreciate that it also, he's clearly someone who knows what has come before and appreciates it and acknowledges it. And then also tries to like do his spin on it. And I think mm -hmm. it's always like, it creates a fresh experience when you're when you see that there's so a, a dance that. going on that's more than just her dance when it's <laughs> so uh yeah deliberately executed right that he knew he was using that song you know it was <laughs> all really came together yeah yeah i love the opening shot with the rabbits I was just no, thinking about no, wait, that. Wait, that, that wasn't that wasn't the opening shots. That, that was the uh, credit, right? The bridge from the like bridge, the cold yeah. open yeah. to the yeah. yeah. That was a perfect, especially if you haven't seen the trailer. You just go, "What rabbits?" You know. <laughs> well, and actually, this sort of I think ties into my former point. I think he's fucking with us. <laughs> I think by having a wall full of ninety-five percent white rabbits mm. is 
and then you you have like one brown one one black one and like whatever is sort of be, is 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 like a it's a um it's a misdirect almost mm-hmm. or or like a foil for for that you're gonna think or this is going just, in a certain because direction because that's the Santa Cruz one was representative of the Santa Cruz population <laughs> <laughs> right no yeah 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 exactly yeah, yeah so it, I was like oh shit. And then also the sort of the deeper literary metaphor of the white rabbit following the white rabbit, mm-hmm. like the, the amount of like ridiculous sort of metaphor and, and, <laughs> and, um, sim- symbology, uh, symbolism of like through the looking glass, Alice in Wonderland, the white rabbit, like all of that stuff, like the underground, the tunnels, like all of those things are, t- I'm like, they're, I'm like jizzing all over the place <laughs> over them. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Like that's that kind of stuff. Like having that kind of layered stuff for well, me. Like when you makes when you buy your uh, when you buy your copy, Tim. Since this was a buy, I'm gonna can... write every single one of them down. <laughs> Do that. <laughs> and make a list. Get in again. Cool. Awesome. I mean, that's. I mean, there was so much that was great. Yeah. That's kind of what I have my my list here. But yeah, anything else for you, Michael? That was. No, not really. I mean, I, I like I I I was really blown away. I keep coming back to the beginning because I think just that, like, I feel like everything that then worked for me and the rest of the film was planted there in the beginning, and like the relationship and the connection that I felt with these people, and like, I feel like that's a really hard thing to do, to like, just from exposition to like investing in characters, and I feel like he did it in a way that was uh, fun. And like, just created a lot of empathy. It wasn't, it was entertaining. It was like, but also like a cool, you know, it was fun to see them driving the Santa Cruz again, listening to yeah. that song and like that being how they like, you know, relieve tension. Like, I feel like that's always fun. I feel like it's a good way to make the audience care about characters is when it's like, you know, the parents put aside the tension and like, no, we're going to like, like sing along to the song. And like, I don't I just really appreciated that whole sequence. And I think that yeah, as much mastery is required to nail those little things as like all the bigger things that are also happening. Well, what's masterful to me, and I will say that is it's get out to, it's like you have to have that set up in a horror movie for this kind of thing or this, you know, that kind of the structure or whatever. You have this, this scary thing at the beginning, so you more scary stuff is coming, then it's <laughs> safe again and you can kind of laugh with them and get to know the other characters. But it was masterful is that it was he never did it like too much. You know, there was no forced lines, or maybe it was just the performances too. But it was just like, yeah, I was never going like I was actually being endeared to them versus <laughs> going, This is the part where I'm supposed to be endeared to them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's he's, really hard to pull yeah, off. I bet he's really good at writing more drafts Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like i bet he's just does not worry about cutting you know and getting in there and being like no this can be tighter this can be cleaner yeah and i feel like i've heard that he did 27 like official drafts of get out yeah and i feel like yeah it definitely shows yeah yeah you should yeah like Mm -hmm. you should make it the best right every time you do it you're putting it through some kind of like ringer you know (laughs) right and i feel like there's also like a a fear sometimes of like well if i rewrite it then i'm gonna lose that thing but it's like just it's saved on the hard drive like you can go back and (laughs) get it like you're not actually (laughs) destroying anything it's just all about exploration and trying to find you just made me think if we have Mr. Lessons from the screenplay here. <laughs> Any like positive things, you know, just from the screenplay itself that I feel like that's actually 
where most of my problems were. Great. Then that'd be a good segue. Let's do it into what did not work. It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. So I think part of the problem for me was going in uh, too much expecting get out again. And I think that really shaped my experience of it. I was also really, really tired yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think the I think why I like the first 30 minutes is because I think like as we've talked about, the writing is so like smart and like it feels very coherent. And I think where things started to break down for me more was in the middle where like I couldn't quite figure out if it wanted to be a comedy or if it wanted to be a horror movie. And whereas I, I like I basically I think I was comparing it to Get Out the whole time, which is not fair. Yeah. But I think in <laughs> Get Out, uh, I feel like it the comedy felt believable to the characters in the situation. And this one had more moments where it felt like it kind of switched for me. We're like, you know, the, they've just murdered a clone version of their best friends and are in the room with the dead bodies of their best friends. And they're watching the news with a dead body and the coffee table in front of them. Or like later they're talking about like, no, I have the highest kill count. No, like, you know, I right. have the, like those moments felt like, okay, this is like, like a funny scene. Well, that did, mm. that is what swayed this movie from me. And that's actually here. I'm just going to say this is applicable now. Uh, as described by Rolling Stone, this was just a quote I pulled from Wikipedia that this film was, they described as spill your soda scary compared to the existentially terrifying get out. So mm. what I was saying, like for this, like what I, I mean, it was, I still loved it because of what was going on in the, the context of it all, but it was more like popcorn scary for me, albeit like really good that where yeah it did mm -hmm. tiptoe more into like you're laughing at it versus yeah with the sort of realistic character situations um i was going somewhere more with that <laughs> were you were you saying something else about that no just that that i think was where i i whereas i was super in it in the beginning that's where my like analytical brain flipped on. I was like, well, wait, so how am I oh, supposed to be feeling about right. this? What I was going to say was like, so Tim and I, we've like been not surprised, but um, sort of reminded, I think about the, the thematic weight and effective power of like watching a lot of like some of the really good older films that are like at that closer to 70 something minute, like range mm -hmm. where it's like, everything is working. Everything is effective. Where you know, in us, I could see another version of it where rather than sort of having the sort of cat and mouse segment, which, you know, I loved it and it was fun, but you could just like, they could have just moved on from it. Essentially, you know, mm -hmm. it, you could have retained the the eeriness of the doubles versus going for a, we're just going to full on see them and fight each other mode mm -hmm. that could have made, you know, I don't know. It was just interesting to think of like the, um, what maybe if sometimes because of current running times, there's an obligation there that skews mm -hmm. movies a certain direction more than another. Cause like what, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, could you have seen it with the same story going a different direction for you? Yeah. I mean, I think that's it. It's one of those weird things where I think it's largely like about just like personal taste. Cause I feel like the reason I was disappointed at times was because 
there was so much good happening also. And it's like, oh, but like, I just wanted it to be that or this. And so it was, it was really interesting when it was like, okay, now it's a home invasion film and like the doubles are here and they're trying to break in. And then it was like, okay, we're getting exposition. And then we like go to another house and it's like, okay, so it's like another home invasion film, but this one's a little <laughs> bit different. And I, I felt like it, it was cool that it kept trying to do these new things, but I felt like at each stage it kind of lost some of the, what had like grabbed me in the beginning. I think part of it for me was like the doubles. I wasn't sure. This is like one of those movies where I either wanted like more explanation of who they were or less. Yeah. Like I feel like it was just in that place where it's like, okay, you gave me enough, but now I'm trying to like figure it out. And like, okay, so they live in tunnels, but how many tunnels <laughs> are there? And like, so they're mirror people, but they can also not mirror people sometimes. Like, I think I got really in my head about that. Right. Well, and I think that second home invasion point is I think where that really took into effect where like the doubles are really good at killing the Tyler family and they just like grab Lupita in and then like the dad decides to lead the other dad on a slow chase and the kids are like and now we're gonna go murder them all and the, it felt like that was a different movie than like the previous scene had been mm -hmm. and I wasn't sure like are these people easy to kill or are they hard to kill <laughs> yeah um I get that's been I I think if there is a complaint that I read, it was that like wanting more or wanting less, maybe mm -hmm. for me, that was overall, that was, I don't know. I, I liked where it was at. Like I'm very forgiving. Like I don't call things like plot holes if I don't know exactly the mechanics of the world and how it works. And I just loved the, like the kind of story, what it was that there's some like vaguely like government attempt at uh, controlling people through these means like that. I just love in itself so much, like a little more than the get out uh, brain swap, you know, mm -hmm. premise. So mm -hmm. I think that is why I like this one. And again, the ending that I love so much, like it, why it weighed out just a little bit more. Um, wait, God, I was going to say something more directly to your point. What was it? What were you just saying? That was uh, that the doubles, I wasn't sure. Yeah. Were they easy to kill? Were they not? easy? Oh, right. To kill? The, the, yeah. The rules of them all. Um, that it was just about, like you're saying, more having more or less. The one thing that, like, I wouldn't mi have minded if it was excised, as much as it was cool to kind of like try to plug into the rules of it, the stuff about like coincidence coming into play, the frisbee landing where it did, the 11, the 11, like, all that is super cool to me. Cause that's like a, I felt like that was just sort of used to sort of unnerve us or sort of put us in a vulnerable place, but mm -hmm. like it didn't actually sort of contribute to the greater story for me even in sort of a vague clue way mm -hmm. like it just didn't feel like it totally meshed with whatever the greater conspiracy was like i just i thought it could have just been just a little little bit more honed without well, that stuff i mean the frisbee one is symbolic mm -hmm. it's a red frisbee and it covers perfectly a blue circle mm -hmm. right so that's Right. It's just, it's, I mean, that's neat. It's just but, a thing. But it's interesting, right. but it's like. It doesn't, it doesn't, in the moment, it doesn't really mean anything other mm -hmm. than it cre It does allow for a bit of a, I guess, kind of a jump. Coincidences you know, like, have been yeah. happening a lot lately. <laughs> right. Just that stuff. Yeah. And I feel like that, I feel like that's probably just the main problem I had is that I think there are all these like little things that in and of themselves are really cool. And like, there's clearly so much meaning behind them, but it felt like sometimes those were put in rather like not necessarily in service of the story. Or yeah. The plot. That's interesting. I think that you, yeah, there, there may be kind of a, like you're saying, like it's a bit of a taste thing, right? Like 
so another example would like there's so much mirror and like literal mirrors people looking in mirrors people's reflections all of that stuff does that stuff kind of feel heavy-handed to you then like when uh adelaide is getting her face pushed against the coffee table and you're Mm -hmm. seeing her mirror but in the mirror the glass is cracking Mm -hmm. right so that that's symbolic right um does stuff that's that's sort of at that level bother you or or are you like is it where's the line i guess or where's yeah. the threshold i guess is what i'm wondering. i feel like like none of those examples bother me because i think they're kind of happening in tandem mm-hmm. with the plot ah, and things okay. that are happening and i feel like it's it's just like it's that extra candy on top that's like it's not just that i'm telling a good story it's like i'm doing this cool thing while also doing it okay and yeah. i felt like there were just some moments in this where I felt like he paused the story to do a cool thing yeah. and then went back to Interesting. the story. That was, and what I mentioned, the coincidence thing thread, that was the only thing that, you know, that mm-hmm. I, I felt the same way about for this one. When it, I feel like huh. I want to talk about the twist also. Which one? The big one okay. that Lupita's got Bennett's switch. Yeah. Because like... I've been trying to figure out how it makes sense. <laughs> and I feel like, again, it's one of those things where I, I get hung up on these kind of like analytical, like, does it actually make sense? And this is where I feel like I either wanted more or less information. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like for it to have worked, she needs like the real up level girl. I don't know. What's her name? The one that becomes red. The original. The Let's original. call it the OG oh, in the okay. shadow. Okay. The OG girl is kidnapped and brought down and chained there so that the shadow can escape. But then did the OG forget her previous life such that like at the end monologue, like the OG then is telling the shadow what their plan is. And this is the time like I saw it as like, if they mirror each other, sorry to kind of cut you off, but like, um, if they kind of are mirroring each other in a certain sense, like they are going to become the world that they're living in, especially, you know, considering it's, you know, the the 20 years plus years Mm -hmm. that they're down there for, like you become the world (laughs) that, you know, you're in, especially being taken at that age. It's like, you know, I'm sure when there's abduction cases, Mm. like that's like into a cult or something, that's all of a sudden. Yeah. You assimilate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm I'm trying yeah. I'm not sure what the your question is. I think I just didn't understand like like for me I you know OG girl gets taken down and like okay but so does can she not escape? Like does she not she, remember? She is shackled. But like not forever. Like yeah, later she's that's dancing true. and she lives 20 30 years of her life there. So like do you not ever try to leave? Maybe seeing some guards would have helped you or something. Or something. Yeah, that's interesting. Like basically there were no physical barriers that we saw to prevent her from escaping. And so that just leaves an extra question in my mind. So why didn't she like... Michael, (laughs) the escalator is going down. (laughs) Have you ever ever tried to go up an escalator that's going down? You You just... Stay in one place. Right. Really, really long ones, especially too. It's true. That would be exhausting. I know. I see. That's the kind of thing where it's like I do have fun filling in those gaps of like 
they're in the rabbits. There's something that's like making them a certain way, a sort of dociling them, or like something that the government's like putting in the air vents. You know, yeah, that like links because this that link is such like. Yeah, the fact that they have that link is such just a we don't have any frame of reference, any real life kind of frame of reference for that technology, if you want to call it that. Right. So like to give any more sort of rules or behind that would have, I don't know, confused me more, maybe. I, I mean, I kind of just like the idea of it and the metaphor, like potential metaphors of it, of just like when you are put in a place and you're you're metaphorically shackled to it, you kind of just, you, you put lower yourself to that station. You just accept your fate. And there's sort of a duality within that character, potentially that she did that for a while, but like, she always was like, wait a minute. And she ended up rising above her, her newfound station of like being down there and saying, no, fuck this. Like, I'm actually going to do something about it. And I, and I like in the context of this movie, that idea like that's actually a kind For of sure. a, a like oh cool you know they and like she yeah, did it yeah. and 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 the the twist or the irony of all of that is that we spent the whole movie thinking she was the bad one like they're like that that those aspects of it kind of for me make up for any kind of like mm-hmm. you know plot right. questioning because i'm just like yeah but the it bigger is, meaning is so cool <laughs> it's it is it is convoluted to get to like you know they say for every movie there's the one like buy-in that's right that's allowed yeah. and yeah it's convoluted <laughs> to get to what this is but you're asking if you're asking like why doesn't she just escape it's like she does so you're asking why doesn't she escape earlier or whatever so the answer to that is like well it's because for whatever reasons the the elaborate nature of the of her plot in order to have this movie where you know they're <laughs> adults going into this situation where she's adult aged like it took for some this this was the only way to do it was she became more about staging a revolution than an escape like yeah (laughs) i I think it's uh, yeah i think it's just that i think because we see so much of the tunnels and like so much of like the magic buy-in of it of like what if there's this underground thing where there's doubles like i wish I like we didn't see it at all because I think what kind of like hmm. works about like and like get out for instance like the sunken place it's like I don't know what that is it's the <laughs> sunken place it looks there's black and it's like weird and but it because we don't see it physically it can exist more presently in metaphor I feel like yeah. Yeah, and I feel like everything works about it like metaphorically and I think just like going through the tunnels and seeing it so much it was like, okay, wait, so there's classrooms and there's doors and like, it's a long hallway, but it seems like you could just wander one direction and get so, out of like, I just, yeah. <laughs> having that information mixed in with the metaphorical stuff made it convoluted. And for me, I got stuck in that. So that's a good that example area. of when you're saying you wanted either more of less or what you would have wanted less of. So if it was like, you didn't, maybe what if, what, so if you saw less of the tunnels, let's say, and then maybe didn't have that opening like title card about all the unused tunnels under the States. Right. Like that. Cause I feel like I liked that in the beginning. I'm just like, Oh yeah, that's kind of creepy. Like what are unused tunnels for? But then it, it grounded it so much. And I'm like, these are literally humans, literally in tunnels, literally beneath us. Right. And so that conflicted with the more metaphorical aspects of it. Yeah. For me. I, I agree with you, but it was rather than me not, 
liking it or enjoying it, it was again, just a different kind of enjoyment versus like, it could have been way more sort of eerie, effective horror in that sense. I think if you had lost those and then, um, sorry, I know you want to say something to me real, real quick is, um, I always want to say something. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, the less for the reasons that you're saying, but I agree that the ending, like it didn't, it could have given me less to communicate that twist, you know, as far as the amount of shots to like explain the switch that occurred, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. because of the thing, because of the twist itself, I was still just as unnerved, but it probably could have maybe, yeah, it could have been just that much more like, I get it. I don't know. You're just kind of being safe as the storyteller or whatever, but like, just to like, you know, if we're saying the script level, he's so good at honing it down just to kind of try to do that. And, you know, the filmmaking side, what's the least you can do to effectively communicate it? Like just having a shot that sort of like does that. And then you see the sun looking at her and then that's a bigger connection for the audience to draw that. Ooh, because I feel like the longer that explaining sequence went on the less effective it was yeah. for me, where it's like okay so they danced but okay so she's literally dancing and like <laughs> and running into the walls and falling down like the more i saw of it the less impactful it was right so yeah. I, yeah i would agree with that I, this may be kind of a, a an instance where the service to the metaphor is actually a disservice to the experience of of watching the movie. Yeah. Because I think the metaphor of this underground and having it look like a subway is, you know, it's a metaphor for class. Like, who mm-hmm. takes the subway? Not rich people. Right. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? And like, it was and, cool in itself. Yeah, I it's visu- itself. yeah, I think it's visually yeah. cool. And I think that there's this sort of weird, I don't know what you call the uh, spell or the, the thing that makes them like actually physically move like that, like they're the connection. Yeah. The the tetheredness. Mm -hmm. What is, what is that? Like we never really quite know what it is, but what we do know is the metaphor, which is cutting the tether to your shadow self is important in order for you to grow. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that through growth, the things that, that advocate growth are things like the arts dancing, writing. Mm -hmm. I mean, even the therapist says specifically that, and we see it twice being said. So it's obviously fucking an an important like (laughs) idea that he's trying to nail home. Like you want to help somebody grow as a person and come out of whatever is keeping them oppressed, put them in the arts, get them writing, get them experiencing the world, you know, get them interacting with other people that are not necessarily the same as them. So right. like that, that yeah. metaphor, that, that message, albeit a, a, a great one, you know, like yeah. I agree with that yeah, message. No, I think it's awesome. It can, when you kind of try to depict that metaphor, it can potentially slow down your momentum. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah, it's tricky. Right. It so, can be tricky. So in that sense, yeah, you see what I was saying about Absolutely. the frisbee landing on. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I do, I do for sure. I think the frisbee landing and some of those those you know seemingly almost arbitrary ones are a little bit of Jordan Peele being like, yeah, but there's so much weird shit in The Shining too. Like, yeah. let's pay a little mm-hmm. homage to that feel. Mm-hmm. And when you're servicing a feel of a movie, you right. know, like cool it's but it's like is it really the right or best version i mean ghost story i think you're allowed 
more kind of, I don't know. You're, you're True. In yeah. The Shining is yeah. only dealing in unknown mm-hmm. when this is a government plot. Albeit, maybe it's the government harnessing the unknown, but, you know. Yeah. I don't know. They're, they're different beasts, but you see the influences. The, yeah. And I feel like with movies, it's, it's also just like everybody's different and everybody wants and gets different things from stories. Totally. And like, this is, I'm thinking now about Annihilation as another movie recently that like I loved, I don't know that I could stand and defend it as a <laughs> good script where everything <laughs> makes sense and there aren't plot holes, but nonetheless, the themes and the way it was executed, like I'll never forget. So there is always just like that X factor in films also. And so yes. like, I also don't want to say it's bad to always sacrifice one for the other because like sometimes going 100% on one thing can create an experience for someone that wouldn't be possible if it was airtight in these other ways. I'm glad here you could get on board with our acknowledged subjectivity. Yeah, the, no, the absolutely. podcast. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. and I mean, this is, this is like the test of a, a filmmaker and, and you're going to constantly be dealing with this at, from film to film, right? It's like, how wide of a net are you casting for each individual film? And what have you learned about the version of the net that you cast in the last one? And that you're going to pull into the, the, the one you're working on right then. Like that's, it's a amorphous kind of thing. You're, you're trying and hoping things work and sometimes right. they yeah. do. And sometimes Cause it's like, you I, go, Oh shit. I can, <laughs> I can get the impulse. Cause it's like, if you're Jordan Peele and you're making this movie, it's like, well, these are some great laugh moments that I see when else would I ever be able to do them? <laughs> right. And I think laugh moments are great in yeah. movies. Like, I feel like, especially in horror, I always enjoy that where I can like, okay, I can laugh and like reset my tension a little bit. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm ready for more. Like, I, I appreciate yeah. all of the laugh moments in this. I think, yeah, it's just when it feels inconsistent. It's, it's a hard line. To right. Walk, and that's, like, that's, that's what you're saying too. It's like, it's, it's, it's this or that for the viewer. Cause it's like, you know, I, I also, I mean, maybe this is, yeah, my more subjective, subjective thing, but it's when the horror movies come along, like, you know, the recent hereditary and stuff where it's just, you, you don't have those laughs. It doesn't mm. even give you that. <laughs> it's, it's oh, no. what, what's, yeah, what's unique to horror movies that I love so much. And like, this is like what I think like Texas Chainsaw Massacre embodies is like, if you have like, you know, when you're tracking the sort of audience emotional line in a film, you think you're like doing this and that I'm, I'm gesticulating, like going up and down. Mm -hmm. Um, but horror movies, you can just start at that point there and then have an even line that just goes and hits Mm -hmm. a peak, you know, at the end, there's no laugh sort of bringing you alleviating that. Like it's true, but you know, when they say it's a, it's a rule, that's, you know, I don't like it saying it's a rule, but it is true. Like they say, oh, laugh moment, you know, you need that in a horror film, da, 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 da. but it's like, you also don't, it's just to each their own. What, what movie yeah, are you definitely. making here? Yeah. I mean, definitely not laughing very much in The Shining. So <laughs> yeah. That's a good example. What? <laughs> oh yeah. man. I think that's the greatest comedy of all time. <laughs> um, Anything else for this section, Tim? Um, not really. I, like I, you- I, I mean, I actually kind of agree that, that that one section that I felt slowed down and a little like, where are we, was right after they've killed or, or they've gotten away from the Tylers yeah. and they're in mm-hmm. the car. That mm-hmm. was the one section where I sort of, and maybe it is because of a little bit of the levity that's happening and it's like... Mm-hmm. Okay, where is this going? Yeah. Like, what mm-hmm. are we doing? And I'm trying to remember, the next moment 
the sun is ro- risen, right? Is that the next scene after that? It's starting to come up, I want to say. And they, they get to the I beach. So. It's all like dawn they're, when they're driving through the town, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. So they're in the woods. They shoot the girl, the daughter into the woods. She goes out. She looks at the daughter. They have a weird moment. She gets back in the car and then she's driving. Mm-hmm. And then the sun's coming up. That, for some reason, there's that section that felt weirdly like... I don't know, draggy, like just something wasn't quite clicking in. Mm, yeah. And then they get to the beach. I mean, maybe it's because we don't really know what's next and where we're going and yeah, why the, we're the going there. There's a little is lost a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. I guess that's the one thing I could kind of point to and be like, yeah, something was that up. loss mm-hmm. of trajectory, but I just like, even if it's not necessarily the best intended way of you don't know what's going to happen next. Like, I just love you don't know what's going to happen next so much. (laughs) I I will say that when they got to the beach and you see the line of like hands across America, I was like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) holy shit. Right. That thing. Yeah. Right. I got a good laugh out of it. So, Um, you know, talking about subjective things that didn't work for us. The only last thing I had is I just wanted to see more of Santa Cruz. Because, yeah. you know, Michael, like, wouldn't it be neat to see downtown? But in a, like, selfish, imaginary yes. way, I'm like, well, that just means there's more movies left to be made in Santa Cruz that yeah. can exploit the other parts. Yeah, exactly. Twiddle Let's fingers. do it. It's funny. Um, you, like, I've been there, but I think, I, I think like, only twice or something like that when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I lived in Palo Alto for a year. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure Close we by. went down there a couple times. But yeah. I, I also get the focus on the boardwalk and painting it like a beach town. Sure. You know, hold, only holy. Yeah. Um, should we do next section here? Yes, forever. Yeah. Hold your peace. All right. Things of note. Things of note! <laughs> this should be interesting. Do you have anything noteworthy, Michael, since you? I mean, I feel like the movie is just filled with noteworthy things that were cool. Yeah. Well, uh, we're talking about Santa Cruz, and it so happens that a uh, friend of mine from our film school was not only there for the filming of it, but uh, was in it. He was one of those people holding hands. I think he may have been right next to, like, the featured Mm. featured dude. So. Let's see. He he said he might be on the phone. We can give him a call here. Oh. <laughs> Live call. I was jealous that like, oh, I wish they were filming this when I was there. That would have been so fun. Hello, Ryan. Hey, Davis. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? Good. You're here with Tim and Michael on our show. Oh, wow. Hey, guys. What's up, man? Hey. So, yeah, we're entered the things of note section on the show. And we're wondering, uh, since you were there, you were there for the filming of it. That's correct? Yeah, I was there on two days. So, yeah, I worked two days and I was, I was, quote unquote, in uh, two scenes. Well, you you cannot see me. Okay. Oh, you can't? Oh man! <laughs> what were uh, what were the scenes? Uh, the scene on um, I always want to call it Seacliff, but it's uh, when uh, Lupita is driving down and you're seeing the dead bodies um, just before the burning car. Mm. 
Uh, I was one of the dead bodies uh, way, way <laughs> down at the end of that street. Nice. Uh, I got my back like covered. I was like face down on a curb. <laughs> I was just covered, drenched in syrupy blood. For you can't even you can't even really see me. But it was like, yeah, let's all. They were, they were like, oh, let's go all in. <laughs> Are you okay now? Uh, I'm feeling much better. Yeah. Oh, good, good. So, yeah. I, I did seem to recover. And then you said the other uh, scene you were in was on the beach holding hands, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, I was part of the Hands Across America so, uh, moment there. <laughs> and a couple other uh, friends I knew uh, were also in that. What can you uh, tell us? What, 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 uh, what, I, I can, I was next to the guy with a coat, who actually, he gets a close-up with the... Uh, oh, 11-11 guy. And, nice. Yeah, it does like a pan. Yeah, the 11-11 guy. I was holding hands with him. Um, so when it pans over, I'm just outside the frame there. Which, which side are you on of him? Are you on his left? His right. The left of, left of frame, left of audience, like, point of view. His, his right, right hand. Cool. Well, you're, you're, <laughs> you're, even though your face isn't it, you're featured. What can you tell us about, like, the, um, what sort of the day of filming was like? Like, what sort of sense did you get how the crew was doing? Like, what was it, what, how did it all go down, you know? It seemed to go together pretty well for such a big task, um, which was impressive. I mean, they'd been shooting a while, and they had a lot of things going on. Uh, it was broken down into a lot of different groups. Uh, there were some groups, like, it started way early, of course, because they had to, you know, cover, like, everything that they were doing there. At the, I think it may have been their last day at the boardwalk. I'm not sure memory serving me right but there were like different groups they had like a bunch of cars like oh if you have a car go there you're gonna drive down and we're gonna get a couple shots of that and there was a group of friends of mine had they had like a group of like sailors like people with sailor outfits which you don't really see any cut from the film um like during the 1980s scene you see like at least a sailor kind of walk by but it's at night um they had like a like a squad or something. They have a group. Um, and I know there was actually some, on the cover of like the local paper, they, someone had snapped a shot of them shooting that and it was like a group. So there's um, a group of sailors <laughs> cut from the film. Yeah, that was something. Yep. Yeah, that was the whole thing. How was the sort of like a city uh, take to like a big uh, production in the town? Uh, there's a lot of excitement. Uh, I mean... It was definitely the most, the biggest, like, production we'd seen. Well, I guess, I mean, the Transformers movie had some shit, the filming here the year before, but I wasn't there for that, because I fucking hate that. So, <laughs> uh, there's more excitement about Jordan Peele, for sure. Like, people were talking a lot more about that. Were they hard, um, were, were they hard-pressed for extras, or...? You know, they kind of were, actually. Um, I think it's just the sheer scope. Uh, of what they were trying to fill um, because I was aware that they were doing extras and they were like, they kept putting out ads on both, I guess, of casting and crate, so they kept popping up and I got uh, like a couple of phone calls. They were like, hey, do you know anyone else who could be an extra in this? It's like, well, I'll ask, but like it was daytime, so I got a few people that I knew roped in but then there were a couple others I was like trying to drag in but they had work because 
the uh, Hands Across America stuff and the things that I was in were like daytime shoots. Did you guys have any questions? Uh, not really. It just sounds cool. Yeah. What <laughs> What was like Jordan Peele's like demeanor when directing? It was like he he was pretty chill. Um, you could tell he was focused. Like he had a lot like to do, but he was he didn't seem stressed. Uh, but he was also not like, hey guys. It was very kind of like he uh, he came up and was like. Hey everyone! Thanks for being a part of this. This is like exciting, you know. It was like very moderate. You could tell he's like a very focused uh, guy. Um, and he did, he gave the cool thing, even though I didn't wind up in the in the film visually, was he gave direction to the eleven eleven guy. So he was like right next to right to my left. So. What was that direction? I think it was about what uh, the eleven eleven character, like what he was seeing, because they were like supposed to. They had did some shots where it was like, but where the tethered, like, oh, what the world is going to go into, and what is that like you really desire, and what's going to happen, what you want to happen, you know, your great vision for this new future. But there's a thing that you can't really see. And I, I didn't catch it as a detail very much. I, I guess you get a little bit of it, the, the tethered, when they, they had people like grabbing all these little trinkets that were items from their other uh, selves. I mean, like Tim Heidecker has the coat and uh, Elizabeth Moss, I guess, grabs like the lipstick and some stuff. But like everybody also had like a little item uh, when they were holding hands across the, the beach there. Oh, that is cool. That was a, sort of a detail not obvious in the finished film. Yeah, I was remembering that, uh, that they had everybody grab something. So, like, all of them have some kind of little item that's a personalized thing. Awesome. Great. Well, we should uh, keep the episode going here. Um, but thank you very much, Davis. I'll, I'll uh, talk to you afterwards uh, when we finish okay. up here. All right. Thanks, Davis. Thanks, man. Thank you. All right. Nice talking to you guys. Bye. Bye. Cool. Davis. <laughs> you did it. Cool. I want to be on that set. It's funny. I, <laughs> I'm glad you asked that, Michael. <laughs> His description reminds me a little bit of when I first moved to L.A., I got a phone call from, I don't even remember, it was like, a uh, kind of an agent, but not really an agent, you know, those people. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and she would send me out on extra work. And I went out to do War of the Worlds. And it was three days of like 900 plus extras oh in God. the rain in the middle of the night. Like they oh had water God. machines pouring rain on us. It was fucking awful. <laughs> but like to his point, they were pretty organized everybody's in a group and everybody has like their wrangler or two or whatever yeah. like that but it was a shit show isn't that great though he was the one holding hands with the <laughs> that's, pretty amazing. that's amazing yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's as close to being like a featured yeah. person as you can yeah because they made a he made, they made a point not to show any faces of other people oh yeah in it, it yeah, looked yeah, like interesting um by 11 11 guy Cool. Oh yeah. Did you guys know what the eleven eleven is? Like that. Oh, verse? We, oh that verse? I never no. looked it up. Do you um, have it? I thought I did, but maybe I don't. So that beach was reminding me. I mean, this was could have been something that worked, but just the Jaws vibe was like so intentional mm. and heavy. It was really right. neat. And someone was wearing a Jaws shirt. Uh, yeah, Jason is. Yeah, yeah okay. Jason. So I mean, it was yeah. wearing its influences on its sleeve, but it was yeah. like just. But it it did it well. It <laughs> was cool. Funny and kind of random. 
But I remember like that beach in Santa Cruz, I feel like if you go far enough to the left, there's like a drainage pipe that like leaks out there. Yeah. And so like as soon as they, I saw the thing at the beginning with like there's weird tunnels and then they were on that beach, I was like, are they going to come out of the drainage pipe? Oh, that would have been neat. Yeah, it would have been. Know? They're all marching out with their red <laughs> and scissors. Yeah. So the 1111, it's Jeremiah 1111. It's therefore this is what the Lord says, quote, I will bring on them a disaster they cannot escape. Although they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. It's pretty dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty uh, uh, apt too, I yeah. think, for the story. Yeah, it's neat. Um, what else? I got the main house that's uh, they shot in is actually in Pasadena. Oh, interesting. <laughs> that's where the most of it was filmed. Like the Tyler house, um, or yeah, the... yeah, their okay. house, the main family's house. Yeah, the Wilsons. Oh, okay, the Lupita. House. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna call her Lupita. Okay. <laughs> um, and I noticed it was very, uh, all their names of the, the evil ones that they used, which I wonder if it was the production naming them or are we to assume that they named themselves and that was their kind of, <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, could be red, come here, Abraham, you know, because <laughs> their names were red, Abraham, Dahlia, Tex, Umbre, Pluto, Wayland, Eartha, Io. It's, I think the sort of Io and, um, Pluto that made me think very hills have eyes, hmm. the names, um, which they're all like, aren't they named like Jupiter and I and that? Mm. Oh, never mind. It's been a while. Well, Celestial bodies. Just another mm. little influence, I think, that uh, was mm. in there. Yeah. Uh, my my big thing of note is that I went to the same high school as Winston Duke. Oh, really? Cool. He's much younger than me. <laughs> so I didn't know. I didn't know he existed until Black Panther came out, and like friends huh. from my high school were like. Holy shit, this guy's like went to Brighton. So shout oh. out to BHS. Awesome. Yeah, man. <laughs> hey, Winston. Cool. <laughs> hit me on, up on Twitter, dude. We'll talk about the Brighton Barons, the worst mascot ever. <laughs> a Baron, like a top hat with gloves and like a cane. It was the stupidest oh. thing. What? <laughs> Who decides these things? <laughs> so you had like a Baron dressed like we that. We just come had out a dude a wear a tuxedo and a top hat and like white gloves. Wow. It was Doug Burtner while I was there. Wow. Shout out to Doug Burtner. <laughs> <laughs> well, Winston Duke, you're right. It's funny to think he knows yeah. all about that too. Was there anything else like from our Santa Cruz connection? I could think of just, I, I mean, I was trying to figure out where their house was, but it was right. in Pasadena. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It was just really, it was fun seeing I've like brought back memories of yeah those things. There are no attractions on the beach itself, like the Hall of Mirrors that they go into. Right, <laughs> right. I was like, I'm pretty sure that doesn't exist. I feel like they built that thing. Yeah, but the rest all seemed like it was there. Yeah, yeah. Cool. That's all I have yeah. for things of note. You guys are good. Sweet. Yeah, great. Well, now uh, we have our what, Tim? Recommendations. Recommendations. <laughs> What can we recommend dead? <laughs> Tim, do you have anything? I do. Um, I've been wanting to sort of watch more or go back to Cronenberg movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched, oh shit, I watched one of his very early ones. And now I don't even remember what it's called. It's it's like... Not uh, Rabid? It's the motorcycle accident. Yeah, it's, is that Rabid? I think it's Rabid. Um, that's not my recommendation though, but I did what? watch that. <laughs> what is it? Mine is, is my favorite Cronenberg movie, which is Naked Lunch. That's your favorite? Oh yeah. Oh my God. Michael, if you did an episode on that, 
but Jesus. Okay. It's an I adaptation. I fucking okay. love Naked Lunch. It's, it's so it's, weird. <laughs> why it may be of interest to you is because it was, when it came out as a book, it was pegged an unadaptable book mm. because it was the, the right, Burroughs, right? I don't remember. It was Burroughs. <laughs> he, um, he like sh- would shuffle chapters and pages around the book. Like once it was done, like it's that kind of story. <laughs> oh my God. What did you love about the movie? I, I don't, I just love the, the, like the tone of it and the weirdness and the, like the color palette is this very kind of green and brown and like, I don't know. There's just something really fucking weird and eerie. And, um, the, 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 whole idea of like essentially huffing insecticide and getting <laughs> high and being a fucking weirdo that that whole thing there's almost a noir feel to it too hmm. it just has a bunch of random elements that i love and they're all just squashed into this very strange movie yeah fascinating well how about mm. you michael anything i'm trying to think of what i've like watched recently yeah and besides us i really haven't watched that much uh i've watched the iem katavitsa starcraft grand finals so if you're into esports those were some really really good starcraft okay. grand finals wow um, I, i'd like to think um yeah maybe some of whoever might be listening <laughs> a very small crossover <laughs> yeah <of people. laughs> i mean yeah. if it's a really good one that's the thing maybe I mean, those will get them to tune in yeah the story behind it was great it's the first non-korean played against the biggest underdog Korean and it was like you couldn't decide who you wanted to win it was a nail biter <laughs> so um, and what was it called again <laughs> uh it was the uh grand finals of IEM Intel Extreme Masters Katowice which is where they play it in Poland maybe have you spell that for us later yeah. not now <laughs> not now <laughs> But great. Well, because yeah. we, we we put it up on our on our show notes okay. for people to find. I'm just going to go. I can't. I haven't watched it for a bit, but yeah, and I haven't recommended it yet. I've been watching a whole lot either. I was looking at my movie list, but I started Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> oh, yeah. You I, told me that. <laughs> I'm only I'm just about to finish the first season, which everyone says is like by far the worst. It gets uh, they always assure me immediately. Oh, don't worry. It gets way, way better. And I'm like, oh, I'm already kind of loving it. I don't know. It's good. But I was always someone who like did feel like I had to compare like, oh, but I'm Star Wars. I love Star Wars more. But now I can just not compare them and see how different they are. Um, why I think, you know, there's the adventure spirit in me that I always have felt close to maybe more as a kid of, uh, connecting to star Wars, as far as the possibilities of the imagination, there's something to just the, uh, and that, that dimension of exploration, it is cool to have a sort of more, you know, science, uh, I don't want to say it's science fiction, but I, I want to say more science, more science fact, you know, based in our world approach to exploration, which Star Wars does. You know, it's it's a different flavor of what ifs and what coulds. Um, that's just its whole other fun playground. And you just that, like number one. Number one? Riker. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, it's been a couple weeks since I've watched it, admittedly. <laughs> yes, number one. Oh, yeah, no, he's... he's he, he, Oh, sorry. Oh, look uh, at that. Siri's interrupting. Siri? <laughs> Michael. That's amazing. There's that a reminds, fucking there's a fucking robot in the house. It reminds me. 
Yeah. It should have been uh, the Beach Boys, right? <laughs> oh, oh, my yeah. God. That was, I don't know. What was it called in Us? Not Alexa. Oh, Sylvia? Was it something, something like, like that? that yeah. Or Cynthia? It's just uh, was very apropos that we had that yeah. happen. Right. <laughs> so I think we should double recommend Dead something too. Like we should recommend Michael's uh, YouTube channel and, and the last mm. episode that just came out. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we shout it out because that's what uh, I guess that's the, your timing here um, fell into. Right. Well, and that's partially why I haven't seen anything or done anything <laughs> besides work on the video in yeah. several weeks. Any, but... uh, if your listeners are here, any insight to how it was, how it went, how you're doing, some behind the scenes on your video? Uh, yeah. Well, so, yeah. So the video is, uh, it's a video about adaptation, the movie. I could recommend that. Everyone should check out if you want a movie about the writing process. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, it's a lessons from the screenplay video about adaptation that is actually a short film about me trying to figure out how to write a lesson from a screenplay video about adaptation. And so it's <laughs> Amazing. super meta. Uh, and it's this idea that I've had, I wanted to do like for multiple years now, like the people request Charlie Kaufman scripts all the time. And it's like, okay, well, I should do adaptation that's on screenwriting, but what if it was this thing? And so it's been years of like percolating in my head. And so this past month, uh, finally wrote the script with the LFTS team and shot it like a week and a half ago. What was it? <laughs> Ryan? Yeah. Something? Yeah. Ryan was there the whole time to do sound. Thank yeah. you very much. You're welcome. Um, yeah. And so it was a very quick turnaround. It's an 18 minute short film that we shot like a movie and has way too much production value for what it was supposed to be. <laughs> um, but it was really, really fun. It came out yesterday. Uh, the response has been very, very positive. Um, Anything about yeah. the since it had been stewing for a while, sort of what did it look like then in your head, and what was the process to it in its final stage? Like, yeah, well, so I, I kind of always, so I've always loved like the old Oscar intros where like Billy Crystal would like show up in the movies, and like there was just like that fun ride of like, and now this is happening, this is happening. <laughs> I've always loved those things. Uh, and so originally in my head, it was much more like, I'm trying to figure out this video. So I like, I go to different like other video essayists and like just the series of cameos and it's just kind of like a fun ride. Um, and it kind of evolved more and like I sat down with the writing team of LFTS and we, we basically tried to make it into a short film that has all the main beats of adaptation and just try to really do adaptation in the short. So we're demonstrating the lessons that are in adaptation in the thing we're making, talking about adaptation. So <laughs> it, it evolved to become kind of a bigger thing, but I think a more focused and useful uh, end product. So was it uh, just a real hammering out between you and the other writers of getting it into that state? Basically, it was like, yeah, knowing that we had we wanted this goal of like make this adaptation video. It's going to be meta, but we also want to like teach lessons. And so then we just kind of took the story structure, you know, inciting incident, midpoint crisis, blah, 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 filled it in, tried to figure out what would be a fun way to fill in all those blanks. And then I kind of took that and did a couple of passes on the scripts and that's kind of how it evolved, but I wanted to make sure it was very 
self-deprecating because yeah. it's essentially me making a 20-minute movie about myself. So I wanted to try to make fun of myself as it's much as possible. It's not self-indulgent <laughs> at all. At all. So by, you mean by putting like your worst psyche kind of in your character? Right. Which is kind of the spirit of adaptation also, where it's just like Charlie Kaufman is, does not portray himself in a flattering manner in that film. <laughs> yeah. So I tried to do the Michael version of, of that thing. That's awesome. Cool. And how was it seen through the post-production? Because you were on kind of a deadline, April Fool's Day. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was intense. It was multiple days of editing and luckily it, it all kind of the prep work that we did meant that the edit fell together pretty nicely, but I hadn't realized how many screens needed to be replaced in After Effects because oh. when we were shooting, it's like, we'll just put a blue screen up on the screen and we'll put something else in there later. And one or two of those is fine, but just in every scene, because I'm like checking my subscribers and like looking at the count and like watching <laughs> videos. So there ended up being about 60 shots that oh, needed no. like yeah. graphics on top. Of, so it was our friend Alex Cairos and I in my office for like four days straight, basically just doing at least 12 hour days on graphics and audio and it was insane and i've slept maybe 10 hours in the last five days wow so well they look good though <laughs> thank you i got good sleep last night so that helped a lot good well thanks for making the time for this yeah of see course. the movie and record this yeah no it was a fun like excuse yesterday to be like okay it's out and now i have to take a break because i'm gonna go watch us so yeah. i can be on the podcast great so well any last you. maybe uh tidbits for what you're working on or any teases anything uh off the beaten path this could be a cool segue for your channel yeah that's uh i don't have anything like official to right sorry not to like you know i know nothing uh but basically like this year for me is about how can i get back to making more narrative things like this short and so this was like a fun first public outing of like by the way i also make movies and so yeah moving forward i want to keep the channel going but also go back to making movies. Yeah, it was a great way to to, un, un, to <laughs> put that out there again, too. You have the audience, and uh, they were not expecting it. <laughs> they were not expecting it. That, is, that has been clear in the comments. But you had their attention, so it was awesome. Yeah, thank great. you. Great. Well, uh, we wrap up, Michael, by deciding what next week's film is from The Hat, and we would be oh, honored no. if you decided okay. our next film for us. Okay, I'm going to close my eyes, shuffle, and pull out. No, not that one. No, no. Calvair, two thousand four. It's Calvary. Oh, I just something Calvair. Yeah, I just I I don't remember what it's about, but I just came across this again. (laughs) So yes, I remember looking at it, being like, "Have I seen that?" And then clicking because I was doing the letterbox thing. And I clicked on it and I was like, oh shit, no, this is one that's on our list that we want to see. I don't recall that one at it's all. A, it's a fo- I think it's a foreign film and I forget what it's about, but it looks cool. Great. I'm excited to hear. (laughs) Well, uh, thank you all for being here and for listening. Thank you, Michael, for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, you can find us at dismemberinghorror.com. Yeah, also Instagram at dismemberinghorror. Right. Twitter at dishorrorpod. Yep. You know, I hate that. (laughs) We had, they limited our characters. I don't know why. Twitter. What are we going to do? Those are where, yeah, you get to our website. There's a splash image we're proud of. It's fun. And I hope you maybe, you know, check out Calvair and you can join us for the discussion on that. 
next week. And Tim, you are right. We're still working on a sign off. I have I one. Um, you I have, have one, one. We could maybe try out. Okay, let's try it. What all is right, it? All right. It's one of us says thank you for listening, and the other one says, uh, "and see you next time." And then we both say bye. Oh my god, that's complicated. Yeah, I forgot it already. Do you I'll say see you next time. All right. So. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Oh. Well, we're supposed to do that at the same time. It was great until Bye. the ending. One more. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.